0: The book is always better, except the few times it's not.
1: An Animorphs movie is officially in the works. Apple TV's Foundation series trailer just dropped, and a Dune movie is currently being filmed.
0: There are also the classics, from Lord of the Rings and the Narnia franchise, to movies so famous you've probably never even realized that there was a book version. Books like Rambo, First Blood, Mrs. Doubtfire, and even
1: Die Hard. But we've also seen the disasters, or straight-up crimes against humanity.
0: I love your sex tape.
1: <sighs> that were movies like Ender's Game and Aragon. Taking a great work of fiction and turning it into a great film is often a whole lot harder than it sounds.
0: Like your sex tape. Today, <laughs> we're talking about book adaptations what's done well, what's done terribly, and what should be done when taking text to the screen. <laughs>
1: This is the book report. <laughs> uh, it was a, That was a successful intro the second or third time around.
0: <laughs> Depends on if you count the earlier me being a douche attempts.
1: I mean, you still managed to work in title of your sex tape twice, except for the second time it was like nice and kind of a compliment. So <laughs> I'm just confused by that.
0: No, It sounds <laughs> like you took Viagra wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think sounds. Yeah. How'd you you, you wrong? took too many? You like, took way too many. You okay. took like twelve pills. Which is bad because that shit is expensive.
1: Why would you know how much Viagra costs, Steven?
0: Uh I looked it up one time because I was sure, arguing but... with someone. No, no, no. <laughs> I was arguing with someone about uh how like the cost of birth control is like a good deal, like it's really cheap and the cost of viagra is really expensive and they didn't believe me so i looked it up at one time and it's like 50 bucks a pill gotcha it was very expensive thing, i guess i mean now you know personally I i'll just i'll just take the erectile dysfunction i think that's nature's way of telling me that i need to keep it in my pants fair enough right right
1: <laughs> Well, we are here today to talk about um, movie adaptations of books or TV adaptations of books and not Viagra. Surprise, surprise.
0: Actually, this podcast (laughs) is now being sponsored by Big Pharma.
1: I mean, I would take Big Pharma money, even though they're evil. Big Pharma money, big oil money. They just have all the money. I will take anybody's money that wants to give it to me. Um, uh, Yeah, so I have a rule or not really a rule but I started thinking about this as we were preparing this episode and I think um, the key to a good ab- adaptation the key to a good adaptation is that you have to be able to take the source material and either shorten it or actually you definitely have to shorten it if you're making it into a movie but streamline it in a way that either fixes a problem improves the story or simply takes advantage of the fact that it's in a visual medium because so often people talk about how you you could have just filmed the scenes in a book and i don't think that would actually turn into a good movie that would just be kind of a boring film No, that'd be horrible screen yeah
0: that would be horrible and i think that's one of the reasons why good directors aren't writers they don't write their own stuff they generally employ writers to do that for them yes. because yes. writing the and directing are just two very different skill sets and you can be the best writer in the world but There's a reason why writers aren't directors. They come onto the set and they maybe advise, or if the director is having issues, they say, "Okay, what can I do with this scene while remaining consistent with the story?" And then the writer says, "Oh well, here's what I think would work there." And the director's like, "Cool, I'm gonna improve on that."
1: Okay. Yeah. One hundred percent. And I think.
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I was just glancing. We made a table of good, bad, um, good, okay, bad, and ugly. Books that have turned into films or TV shows, and I vehemently disagree with one of the ones you put in. Good.
0: <laughs> That's okay. We'll see. We'll see. I yeah. might know which one it is, and I don't super care because um, I'll argue it all day. But um, I just think that I know that some people really get frustrated when their favorite books are translated into movies or TV shows and they don't work out that well. Um, I don't always, I think I really like it, even if it doesn't turn out well. I generally like seeing what people try to do with the story in a visual space. I always yeah. think it's really neat. It's inventive. Sometimes it falls very flat, but I think that that's an opportunity to try again. Um, kind of like the, the Born identity series was originally created back in the seventies and then they redid it In the 2000s, and it was a lot better. I think there are just times when you can use that as an opportunity to say, ah, the other guy sucked at it, but I can do it again.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something Hollywood is really bad about is they don't reassess things that were flops but have good potential. Meanwhile, they'll, they'll remake the same thing into Oblivion over and over again. But movies Spider-Man. that, should, yeah. But Sorry. movies that Spider-Man, could bro. have been good, but just for whatever reason didn't work, they won't ever try again with, and that's really annoying to me.
0: Yeah, I I am very happy though because every once in a while you will get something where it was made years and years ago and it was okay, and then they will redo it. Like, uh, have you ever seen the old, like I don't know if it was the 60s or the 70s, but there was a cartoon Lord of the Rings movie. Yes, I think it was based on The Hobbit. And it was it was weird. Um, and if that was the only thing you knew about Lord of the Rings in film, you'd be like, I don't want to watch that garbage. But yeah. then they remade it into one of the best trilogy adaptations in history.
1: Mm-hmm. 100%. So and it think, can be done well. Yeah. And I, I mean, let's just start with Lord of the Rings because that's almost a gold standard of movie adaptation. And it also has... Like, kind of next to it, The Hobbit, which is almost the worst standard for movie adaptations, yes. right next yes. to each other. Uh, I think, for me, the thing The Lord of the Rings did so well is exactly what um, Tolkien did when he wrote Lord of the Rings. He took this massive, all-encompassing world and mythos and story, and he condensed it down into the most interesting parts. And then um, Cameron took the books that are huge and long and condensed it down as much as possible into the most interesting who do, who
0: do you think directed the lord of the rings i said
1: cameron cameron did not direct lord of the rings did no he? no he
0: did not it was peter jackson
1: thank you jackson you're welcome i'm gonna <laughs> don't do give that james times. cameron
0: lord of the rings too he already has titanic and Avatar.
1: Right, I'm gonna get that wrong. I'm gonna confuse directors so many times because that's, okay. you know, that's okay. throughout no, this buddy. episode, get used to it. Right, I um, I think that one of the strengths
0: of using books as source material for a movie is that you've essentially crowdsourced the um marketability of your story. And if it's a best-selling novel, you already know that people are going to be engaged by the story. So that takes a lot of your guesswork out when you're going to a studio because you say, hey, this is a beloved story. Let me turn it into a movie.
1: Mm -hmm. And then you just – you have the – that's a double-edged sword because then you also have the problem with the fans. And we have learned so many times in the last few years that toxic fandoms are just the worst thing that could possibly ever happen to anything. Um, So you've got to figure out ways to appease the fans and stay true to the story without compromising you know what your vision is so it's a tightrope walk
0: so when you say toxic fandom has ruined things let's let's talk about an example or two of that i
1: like that okay. track well the most recent example and it's something i'm not all a part of so i don't super get it but the last of us two came out this last week and that's a video game do you know what i'm talking about i do okay um The first one is almost universally praised, uh, especially for its storytelling. And in the second one, huge spoiler, but they kill off one of the main characters early on as the inciting incident for the second story. And then the girl character is the main playable character for the rest of the game. And toxic fanboys are pissed, so pissed that A they made her queer in the second game and B they killed off their man character and they're so angry at the game and all these people have like review bombed it and talked about how horrible it is when the gameplay is no different. The graphics are amazing and apparently the story is just as good, but they made some choices that the character that fans didn't like. And so they decided they have to, they have to universally hate it even though the well, only thing I guess... they like about it is. That character's death.
0: <laughs> I guess the question, though, with that would be is that really a case of the fans being toxic, or the case of the, I guess, for lack of a better word, author or developer not really understanding their own fan base? Um, because I think that there are a lot of situations where you could do something similar to that and really, really anger your fan base just because you're trying to push the boundaries in a way that maybe isn't the right way for your specific fans.
1: I mean, I that that can be argued, but I feel like even so like an example for what I'm
0: saying to that would be back when there was the James Bond is going to be a woman controversy. Mm-hmm. Um I was not a fan of that decision and I'm glad that it kind of ended up being a non issue because but the reason why I wasn't a fan of it is because you are co-opting a character that has been male through the entire series and that's what your fans are expecting and your fans have been loyal to that idea for decades and i think if you want to make a character that is a strong empowered female lead then you should make a strong empowered female lead you shouldn't co-opt a male character and then just turn it into a woman simply to say ah, look equality
1: because I don't agree, think that's a good that, way that to advance cheapens, the cause. That cheapens both your point and the, the source material you're working with. I agree with that. Yeah. However, I think we are both rational human beings. And if they Hell, chose yeah. to do that with 007, we wouldn't, without viewing the movie at all, go make several dozen different accounts on Metacritic and review bomb it without ever actually having seen me in the movie. Because I mean, I've got a lot of free time right now. We are so, not the worst people in the world. And that's but what I have a lot, a lot of free time. toxic fandom. Yeah, but even with all the free time in the world, that sounds miserable. How much do you have to hate oh, something to do that?
0: <laughs> I don't even like something enough to do that.
1: Exactly. I don't understand so, how these people have that much rage over character decisions that really don't affect them. I mean, but I
0: mean, it's those are all
1: those are all like IP that don't start in books and become movies. What I'm talking about when I say that you have to respect your audience when it comes to um, taking a beloved source material and turning it into a different version of that material is things like, um, we briefly mentioned this, and I haven't seen the movie, but uh, I just know that the, the basis of the thought process is wrong when you take a character who is praised for being a complex villain main character, and you turn him into the hero of a story to make a movie. Uh, that's just starting off on the wrong foot.
0: And what, do you, what are you talking about?
1: Oh, I'm talking about Artemis Fowl,
0: the Disney. You Disney should fans. have really prefaced that one.
1: <laughs> I should have. <laughs> Artemis
0: um, Fowl. Okay, so they turned the hero into the villain, or the I was right, trying so so to figure out what you were the, talking the about. The main
1: character in the Artemis Fowl books is a teenage supervillain, um, right. and that's kind of the entire point of the books. And they yes. turned him into a hero for the first movie, and uh, it was like No, what? mistake. <laughs> like you just yeah. started off with the wrong foot, and maybe. They managed to pull that movie out and make it work, but it that has you have to have so much to be able to start off at that wrong of a point of view and make it by the end. Um yeah. one. Maybe like seen,
0: if you had the uh, series of unfortunate events and it had happy endings throughout the exactly. series, or, like, or
1: if you had, have- or if you had a book that was entirely based on the relationship between two characters, um, and the way. Their magic and relationship meshes together, and then when you make the movie version, you don't let one of them speak till the like 45-minute mark.
0: Mm, this um, character's a woman. I like it.
1: Don't let her speak. is a woman and, and a dragon, on. and I'm right, talking don't about i <laughs>
0: telling
1: you. Mm, <laughs> just why would you do that? That is
0: bad. Yeah. Uh, I or, so I guess we're kind of jumping into it. Let's talk about some of these books.
1: Well, so far I've mentioned two that i put in the ugly category, and I think the reason – I've put them there is because the adaptation...
0: You've only mentioned one so far.
1: I mentioned Aragon and um, Artemis Fowl. That one's not in my... Uh, oh, I don't have that. it typed up. Sorry. I type it out. But the, the ones I put into this category are ones that completely miss the point of the source material um, in one way or the other. Just if you're going to adapt something... It means it already has an audience, like you said. It already has ingrained fans that if you just do the bare minimum, they're going to love it. And instead you do the opposite? Like that's just grossly incompetent and almost like you're trying to make people angry. I, would I don't why you would
0: do that. I would completely agree with that because you – like I said earlier, you have a source that has been crowd tested. You know that people will like it, but then for whatever reason – call it artistic license if you want – you ruin the beloved story and that I agree with you. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense from an artistic standpoint or from a business standpoint. Um, I like that you put a wrinkle in time under the ugly list as well, because I remember going, I actually took my students to see that movie as a stupid, let's not go to school today type of field trip.
1: That's cool. No, it was an awful,
0: it was (laughs) an awful experience. Like, that movie was just a mess. One of the flying things looked like a salad leaf.
1: Right? Just, I... I, I the movie was not done well. It and was the bad been acting. This is one of the uh, ones yes. that I've actually revisited yep. and tried again. And both yep. just sucked so horribly. I mean, it's a, it's a very
0: ethereal source material. So it's kind of hard to put it into a visual. But you should be able to do it with all of the green screen technology we have and the CGI yep. that we have it shouldn't be that difficult
1: and it was so like it was so childish and i know they're kids books but they don't feel like kids books when you read them one of the whole right. points of that story is that you are so much more than just a kid your ideas matter love conquers all like these are the themes of the book and in the movie it was just like let's dumb this down make it really childish and also just not make sense like we're not gonna yeah. try to develop the mythos at all even though we have visuals we can do this with or the book so I doesn't think
0: that because weird. this novel is honestly geared more towards kids like children i think this might be a movie that would benefit from being made into a like disney style cartoon instead because yeah. so far live action just has not worked
1: yeah this could that could have been a very fun animated film um and that would have almost elevated i think elevated
0: the live it. action stuff takes itself too seriously as part of the issue
1: yeah and that's that's one of the weird and issues it's a very whimsical that, story yeah you can have fun with something and still hit those heavy notes um but they think you have to either be serious or be whimsical and you can't be both at the same time and Like, I don't know. That's been done multiple times. I think we've seen all kinds of shows that are, or TV, or whatever, that are mostly whimsical and ridiculous, but have extremely heavy, hard-hitting moments. I watch all of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the most ridiculous show ever. But when there's a character death on that show, you feel it so much. And they manage to be both over-the-top insane and very deeply emotional.
0: I think so. for me, the best example of being able to bridge the gap between those two types of things is actually, and you may not have seen it yet, but uh, Aziz Ansari's most recent stand up special on Netflix. Have you I seen have that? I have not yet?
1: watched it. I don't usually watch the stand up specials unless like, someone uh, makes you've me watch got them. I the, uh, like stand up
0: specials. So, <laughs> anyways, a little sidebar. The one by, um, oh, I just forgot his name. He looks like Ben Stiller, but he's not. And he used to be on Star- Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers okay, is yeah. really, really good. I recommend that one highly. Um, it's phenomenal. But Aziz Anzar's most recent one, he's goofy. He's whimsical. He is making dumb jokes the whole time that are very funny. And then he like does a switch partway through where he uses his comedy special to apologize for like um, basically un- sexual assault because he mm-hmm. got yeah. kind of that whole thing in the news several years back and he hits it really well he keeps some of the humor in but he like goes into a really serious topic he does yeah, an excellent job of not losing the humor or losing what makes him him and i yeah it, it can be done if you are good at what you do
1: or i mean or if you just put some effort in and decide to not just go all in one direction which doesn't yeah. make sense to yeah. so you added one i'm interested in because i never actually saw. The movie but i heard horrible things about it the cat in the hat
0: yeah explain that one so mostly i just hate it um it's, <laughs> it's very stupid uh it is very similar i'm sure you saw the uh modern retelling of the grinch with jim uh jim carrey as well yeah yeah kind of the same thing like stupid costumes overblown theatrics and the reason i don't like it is because the cat in the hat is just kind of like this cat running around being destructive in the house and annoying mm-hmm. um but in the movie it just becomes the cat doing weird borderline like very creepy things all around the house and it turns this children's story into something that's a little too adult for me um so you. kind of the opposite issue of a wrinkle in time like yeah. you're taking this the story that was written by Dr. Seuss, which you literally only read to children or at graduation. And that's it. And <laughs>
1: turn it they turn sexual? it into this.
0: Let's see how many like innuendos and pseudo-sexual jokes we can make that's weird. with kids in the room.
1: Yeah, that's really weird.
0: <laughs> it's horrifying. So that's why okay. I don't like it.
1: Well, we have yeah. one more on this list, which I'm sure anybody who's listened to any of this could guess. And I don't want to spend the rest of the episode harping on it. But Ender's Game um, is in the ugly list because that movie just, like, flew by the point of the book. Um, From giving away the ending in the trailers to making the entire point of the story, um, like, like, undoing the entire point of the story by cutting out the epilogue and giving him the weird egg sack on the same planet at the end, like, to minimizing the support of his brother and sister like so many horrible choices at missing the point of that book that that movie was just yeah horrible
0: yeah there was nothing great about that and they even had a really good cast that it they had have so
1: much potential use. such they a had great had a cast yeah. uh just but and and you so many amazing opportunities for visuals and they even ruined what would have been what is the coolest visual and the coolest moments in the book is the battle school zero g space battle stuff They – which shows how smart Ender is and how he can think three-dimensionally and all that jazz. And they put the battle arena basically in open space in a giant empty glass window, which, no, it's in a giant nondescript gray room because the whole point of it is nothing but the enemy. Um, And B, they never showed you a full battle. It was just – Lights, camera, explosions, just, excitement. And yeah. it was like,
0: no. Was little boys floating around shooting each other with space lasers.
1: Yeah. What could have been – <laughs> in the book, it's all about tactics, and they plan out strategy, and it's really clever. And at this point, it was just excitement. I'm like, no, no. yeah
0: I hate you. <laughs> and I think we talked about this when we discussed Ender's Game and the movie version previously. But part of the reason – why the visuals on it didn't work is because if you are in a nondescript gray room you can kind of get a sense of direction and you can tell that there's like a limit to where they can move but when it's space is the background you have really no conception yeah. that this whole battle is happening in three dimensions
1: there's and no it's way just, to track what's going on no, and it, it, was, it was one bad. of the what's the most, most endearing oh, also quotes. the
0: movie the movie gives away the ending at the beginning so that's yes. <laughs>
1: And one of the most endearing quotes from the book – I used to have it on my wall – is the Ender's quote and that the bear repeats to him – not bear, the bean repeats to him at the very end that uh, the enemy's gate is down. And that literally doesn't make sense in the version of the battle school that happens in the movies. Like it just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't remember them ever saying it in the movie. And I'm like that is – that used to be on the cover of several versions of the book. And you just – I hate you. Sorry, I'm getting animated.
0: Yes, you are. <laughs> well, it's your favorite book. So. Um, do you
1: want to move on to bad
0: yeah, or jump to well, good? Well, before we jump forward to bad, and I'll drive that one, I just wanted to throw out real quick. Um, it's really interesting to me when you have a very, very good director make a very bad movie. And I think it is partly because they they are good at a specific type of film, and then they try and go off and do something else that's a little out of their depth and I don't know if you'd agree with me but the reason I'm kind of thinking that's partly the case is I was curious who directed A Wrinkle in Time because it was a hot pile of steaming poop and the director uh, you're not going to know who this is but her name is Ava DuVernay and she directed both Selma and that new movie on Netflix it's actually pretty old but 13th which both have been nominated for a lot of awards I've for her of Selma, as a director but i've
1: never seen either of those so
0: yes yeah, selma's really good 13th is on my list to watch but basically she is an exceptionally talented director and i think that she just does better with the those types of movies that are a little more hard hitting and so when she tried to do a wrinkle in time it just didn't quite fit her wheelhouse anyways um let's talk about bad so okay the first one on the list is the hobbit i agree That's it. Stupid
1: stupid movie. I I put this in bad and not ugly because they got the point of The Hobbit. They told the story. They, for the most part, they told the story, but added so much extraneous nonsense and just lingered in places that didn't matter. And it was just, yeah. The movie
0: should have been a single movie. There was no good reason Mm -hmm. to make it into a trilogy. The Lord of the the Rings trilogy was three books and they made it into three movies and it made sense and they were forced to strip out a lot of the boring parts of the books they should have done that with the hobbit they should have condensed it stripped out the boring parts and made it a single movie and it probably would have been phenomenal because then you wouldn't have had that stupid dumb weird ass romance that got thrown in there between evangeline lily and orlando bloom just because both of them are
1: pretty people just like the hobbit not just unnecessary unnecessary i don't even remember i remember so little of that movie
0: i yeah um, i think i got that romance wrong but it was just such a stupid plot yeah. point and there was so much in the movie that felt off because you could tell that peter jackson just was like i'm, I'm it i don't in. care anymore <laughs> i'm doing this because i was forced and i'm going to use cgi for everything and the original lord of the rings movies really didn't which is yeah, why it all they practical so well. Yeah, Yeah, which is good, because even like I remember watching those extended release stuff and you see them making Helms Deep out of styrofoam Mm -hmm. so that they could blow it up later. I mean, it was really impressive stuff.
1: It was a massive undertaking. And then the Hobbit was just a massive. (laughs) Yeah,
0: because then so you have the Lord of the Rings where they make the sets out of actual things. And then you get to the Hobbit and you've got that new story that comes out of Ian McKellen in a room by himself that's just green and he's I'm like breaking I, down I, in tears over it yeah, yeah. he cried because the poor guy had to just act out the entire movie in it by himself
1: yeah yeah, yeah. okay so um have you seen the dark tower because that's the next one i put on this list
0: so on the next in your list is the dark tower charlie and the chocolate factory and the dresden files the only one of those i've seen is charlie
1: and the chocolate factory Okay, well, I'll briefly go over the Dark Tower and the Dresden Files. The Dark Tower is bad because it literally tried to, like, tried to kind of reinvent the books, which is actually a smart strategy if you're trying to turn it into a movie. I think um, the uh, we don't have this anywhere on the list, but you mentioned them earlier. The Born Identity series, or just the Born series in general, completely reinvents the story. Just takes bits and pieces from the books. And turns them into unique and interesting movies. The Dark Tower tried to take the entire Dark Tower series and completely reinvent it for a one-off movie. But by doing that, they took a minor character or a couple minor characters and combined them into one person and made that person the protagonist of the entire story. And it was just like, okay, this is now boring. <laughs> like, I get that it's a retelling. It's a different version of events. And it's supposed to be condensed for a single movie. But – You managed to make this crazy, epic, interesting story extremely boring by doing that. Mm -hmm. And then The Dresden Files. It, again, has so much potential. It was a TV show that I think only lasted 13 episodes. Um, And this is a massive book series that we've talked at length about. It has so much potential and be a very interesting story. But they chose an actor that was... All the actors were too old for the roles they were playing in the beginning of it. And then they took the first episode is the entire first book. And that's just like, Whoa. You yeah. You can't <laughs> shove all of that into a, th- and it was a, I'm pretty sure it was only a half hour episode. You can't oh, do that. Like why? That's you have infinite source material. You could have stretched this out and done so much with it, but you just tried, they kept trying to shove everything into one story, one, one episode. And then like the reason the, the books are good is because everything that happens in one book like builds on itself until it's this massive big thick decent lore and instead in the show they made it a monster of the week um where they just every now and then borrowed stuff from the books and it was like okay i can see why this Mm -hmm. got canceled like this just doesn't work uh but they at least they, they tried and they stuck with the the, the themes and all the characters were true to the characters in the books, just a little too old. So it wasn't unwatchable, but it was just bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why I've never made it around to watching it. I've only heard negative things, which is too bad because I like the guy who played Dresden, Paul Black. Yeah,
1: great actors. Yeah, great cast. Just didn't work. <laughs> sure, you need to try that one again.
0: I agree. That would actually be enjoyable. I don't know a good way to do that, but... I'm willing to watch someone try. I could be yeah. into it.
1: That would all be right. a great so, Amazon or Netflix series. I would love that. Oh, Remake the Dresden great. Files. Yeah, they could do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if anyone against all odds from Amazon or Netflix is listening, hell, we'll even take Apple TV at this point. Dresden yeah. Files, do it. Do it. Um, <laughs> so Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, why do you put this one in bad? Because I thought that the movie did a good job of getting across kind of the absolute batshit bonkers whimsy of – the story
1: well if you'll notice i put Willy wonka in the chocolate factory in okay and charlie in the chocolate factory in bad yes I um, understood. okay is, I it just that because, is it
0: just because they went so off book for charlie in the chocolate factory
1: no i i feel like in i feel yeah. like the two I, I don't really particularly love Willy wonka in the chocolate factory but i feel like everything in that movie worked um uh and i mean the, I, think kind of yeah. of test I think of it's better yeah i think it's a better movie but Charlie and That's Factory the... just feels like there was so much. It was just like, let's just make colorful, happy, fun nonsense. And it didn't work at, very well. And if you compare the two or compare it to the text, it just isn't fun. It's just creepy on several levels. And oh, it's very creepy. I don't, yeah. It just didn't – I don't know. None of it worked for me the whole time. I kept every single scene I wanted to – stop watching and go watch Willy Wonka or just stop That's watching and right. go reread the story. Like it just didn't work at all. I, get that.
0: I think what's interesting is that uh Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory is almost entirely about Charlie and Charlie in the Chocolate mm-hmm. Factory is almost entirely about Willy Wonka. Yeah.
1: They're, they're <laughs> their Imagine naming was... conventions are bad <laughs> on these movies. Could,
0: yeah. I mean I will agree that the whole uh inclusion of a backstory where um Johnny Depp's dad is uh Christopher uh, what's his name? Christopher plays Saruman. Um,
1: yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I can't think of
0: his Christopher name. Christopher Lee. His name is Christopher Lee. Lee, who's a dentist who doesn't let him eat candy, and that's why he becomes a chocolate factory. Like, what the heck? What,
1: what are we why, doing here? Unnecessary.
0: We don't need to see this. Like,
1: Very okay. unnecessary.
0: Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I can see why that would make it into bad. So, okay.
1: Okay. This one is probably going to be the most controversial one that we talk about because, Everything on this list, I have seen on a best movie adaptations and a worst movie adaptations list. <laughs> Every single one of these, yeah. I've seen on one or the other. But I think I have a good case for all the ones I put on here, and I hope you can back me up or have good cases for the ones you put on here as well.
0: I will if you get to it already.
1: Okay. Well, I want to start with The Giver, which I've seen on a lot of worst adaptations list. But I think yes, this is a sucks. it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on good but it's okay they tried something it didn't work but it didn't fall as flat as any of the movies on the bad or the ugly list All right, they they took a story and they told you the they told you the same story they got the same points and messages across they just played up the ya faction of it for some stupid reason um when yeah, i know it's a YA that book, book
0: is dark as hell
1: it is and I know it's technically a young adult book, but it was before YA was its own thing and had all these specific things that have to happen in it.
0: Yeah, like and, don't use lethal injection on children in your book. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good young adult con- convention nowadays.
1: Yeah. And, God, the giver is dark. It is. And in the movie, they toned down the darkness. They still left it in. Like you saw all this stuff, but they toned it down by giving it this shiny veneer of YA, love triangle-y. Um yeah. fight against the machine drama, which was not needed, but they tried to reimagine the story for today's version of YA movies. So it was okay. It wasn't terrible. It just you could have done better,
0: obviously. Fair Out of curiosity, did you ever read the rest of the trilogy?
1: I did not. Okay. I, started Most people have yeah. I started the second I started the second one and it was like, you know what? No, I'm happy with how this story ended. I don't need to read anymore.
0: So I actually, um, The Giver is excellent. The next book is called Gathering Blue and I think that one might almost be better. Um, The third book is just weird because it gets into like magic, which is a little fruity, but it's an interesting series nevertheless. But, all right, your next book, um, Ready Player One. So your first two books on this I actually think are both like not good movies from a technical standpoint. I understand what you're saying. They follow the the line of the books and they address a lot of the issues but from a technical standpoint i don't think either of these are good movies
1: yeah that's why they're in okay these okay. aren't i don't hate these films i don't like them. clearly they're don't understand your in. ranking okay system.
0: but tell me about ready player one
1: okay so ready player one okay. they the whole point of the or not the whole point but one of the whole characters his entire arc is that he's the smartest most obsessive person in the room and the, the way he solves the puzzles in the movie is that he just lucks out into um, trying something nobody tried before, and it's not intelligence, it's not skill, it's not his weird obsession. It's just like the stupidest contrivances to how he solves the puzzles and gets the Easter eggs, and that that is infuriating. But other than that, the rest of the movie did exactly what anybody who read the book wanted. They wanted to see all of these various 1980s characters. Acid script. Got it. Yeah. They wanted them all together in one scene and they did that. And the times that ready player one works, it works really well and it's cool, but the rest of it is just bad enough that it doesn't actually elevate into a good movie. It's just like a bunch of good scenes that aren't a good movie altogether. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. I, so I, yeah, ready player one was kind of an interesting movie. Um, just because the visuals were stunning, and I did I, – you know, I kind of enjoyed the overall storyline of it, but I think that comes more from the storyline just being a good one from the book standpoint, not so much from the movie
1: itself. Yeah. It was a fun movie. It just wasn't right. a good movie. That's what – yeah, most of the things in this category, I put them in okay because I don't love them, but I don't have any extreme egregious fault against them, even though a lot of oh. people hate them for various reasons.
0: That's fair. just
1: okay. <laughs> I'm excited one for you to put this
0: next one on the okay one, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, and this one's a little bit of a cheat, but not really, uh, because there's eight movies, and it's the Harry Potter series. Um, and altogether, I don't think many people would be able to argue that altogether these movies weren't just okay. Because some of these movies were terrible, some of these movies were amazing, but th- they're – all together taken at once they're just kind of middling some of the books or some of the movies completely get the book and they do it very very well and some of them just go off the wall and it feels like they didn't really touch on the source material that much uh the visuals across the board are beautiful and it's amazing special effects um but then they split the last movie into two for some stupid reason that didn't work money, at money all. Money, yeah. money 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 So the whole series, while I love the movies and I rewatched most of them multiple times, um, I just think they're okay overall. I think they could have done a lot better and stayed more consistent from film to film. Uh, I think there's a lot they left to be desired from adapting these movies, even though most people praise them endlessly.
0: Fair enough. Well, as we all know, my perverse pride is that I have not seen the movies or read the books. So – Uh, Moving on to the next one, we'll skip Willy Wonka because we already kind of addressed that one, I think, Mm -hmm. unless you had something else you want to say. Have you ever seen the next one I put on here?
1: I have. I remember seeing it. If you're talking about like the cartoon kind of TV show. I am.
0: I'm talking about that. I've
1: seen a few of the episodes, but I never got to watch a lot of them.
0: So I'm just talking about like the the movie itself, which is called Red Wall, and it's pretty old. I don't remember what year it came out, but – When I was a kid, as most kids who like reading are, um, I was obsessed with the Redwall series by Brian Jakes. It was great. All I wanted was for a movie to kind of interpret everything that was going on. And I put Redwall in the okay because Brian Jakes's books are so descriptive. They are so flowery. They are just so visually stunning even Makes when your you're
1: mouth water when he talks about food. Exactly, like
0: it's um, and he's he stated that the reason for that is because most of these books he wrote so that he could read them to blind kids in like a local um, school for blind children. <laughs> yeah, so I know the dude is a saint, and so his books are just over the top, just stunning. You can close your eyes and picture everything, mm-hmm. and the Redwall movie is the only time in my life where I've ever seen a movie that didn't make the visuals better if anything it just right. fell flat okay. because you couldn't get as much texture out of watching it on the screen as you could reading it out of a book
1: and it was kind of low quality animation if i remember no, it
0: was horrendous um, Yeah, <laughs> it was like if dreamworks got spun off into something lower than dreamworks
1: <laughs> it was almost stop motion at times yeah. yeah it just I, I i can agree with you there
0: it was kind of like, um, are you familiar with Max and Ruby at all? Like yeah. that kid show. It kind of feels like you're watching that. Everything is a little bit uh, stuttery. The mm-hmm. the characters don't move all that well, but yeah, it was like it early was good.
1: seasons of Archer, but drawn worse. Yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> it wasn't drawn well, so that's another reason. All right, and the last one on the okay list for me, at least, and you may have a different opinion, but the girl with the dragon tattoo. The most no, I
1: 100% one. agree with you on this. I almost put yes. that on this
0: list too. So yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Um, those books were phenomenal. I mm-hmm. always forget that I've read them, but anytime I remember them, they instantly jump back up into like my top list. I loved them. They were rough to get through at times, but they're just so phenomenally well written. Um, and then you can kind of weigh in, but I felt that the The movie just – I don't know. It just didn't do it justice. It didn't – I don't even know how to put it into words. So I'm going to actually let you jump in and maybe I can spin off of that.
1: The movie was – it was good. I saw the movie before I read the books, and I liked the movie. And then I read the books and realized that, A, the reporter guy isn't super the main character, which obviously the girl with the dragon tattoo should be the main character. And instead, she's this kind of relegated to the side character, even though the movie and the book is named after her. And it becomes weirdly – like the, the story in the movie, at least, becomes very kind of judgmental and male-gazy of her character when she's the titular character. And I never got that – Well, I, I didn't even notice that till after I read the book. But then yeah. also, it just kind of – it doesn't work as well. The It turns into more of a thriller, and I guess the book is technically a thriller too – but the book feel more like a mystery and like there's this thing to be discovered and the movie yes. felt like a thriller. And no, it's it like, okay, a thing. But I think
0: work. that the books, one of the reason I like them so much is because they're kinda like those Dick Tracy Dime Store film noir, like mm-hmm. hard boiled detective novels, even though they're very much not, that's the feeling you get from them. You feel like you are in an office and this long legged dame walks in and she's got a problem to solve that only money, you know. And right, right. That was the books, and then you're right. The movies were more like this psychological, I don't know, like European drama horror thing yeah. that was just. It almost felt like it was trying so hard to be edgy and dark it's, that it yes. kind of missed the the actual theme or the actual feeling of it. Um, because I know, I don't know. It just it it made it almost too dirty and grimy.
1: Yeah. And that's why I feel like it it fits well into the okay, because on its own, that's a good movie. Once you read the source material, you realize it didn't work as well as it should have. It wasn't
0: right. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that kind of comes across because there were three books and it didn't get made into three movies. Well,
1: the Swedish version, (laughs) it got got three movies, right? Yes. It made all three movies in, in Sweden. Yes. Um, and there's they're out there, and apparently they're really well-liked, but there's no – you can just have to watch yeah, the subtitles. I need to I try I mean them.
0: it's probably really well-liked because the old, there's like no other pop culture that comes out <laughs> of Sweden. That's It's fair. like all they got, that <laughs> and Ikea. Yeah. Mm. All right. All right. On to good. So, on to good. Let's do it. Well, and I know you're going to disagree with some of these, but – yeah. You in that's advanced.
1: probably fair, but one thing that is very apparent on this list is, um with a couple notable exceptions, most of these are known. The movie is known better than the book is <laughs> um, yep. 100%. which is, fun. yeah, so the first one right off the bat is the easiest one to talk about because it's Fight club, um and the author himself agrees that the movie is the better version of the story, so. Yep. That right there tells you everything you should know. Um, Chuck Palahunek isn't great at endings. I, I I say that. He wasn't great at endings when he wrote Fight Club. Some of his other endings of his books I love like to know, compare. But he didn't have a good ending for Fight Club, and the movie version took the book and figured out a good ending, a solid, like mm-hmm. very successful ending. And that's something you should do if you're adapting a book. You should – fix something or improve something otherwise what's well, the point of doing
0: it? yeah and the ending of the movie i think is part of the reason why this movie kind of became a cult classic yeah because it just really hits home the message of the movie and the book so well that everyone's
1: like ah i get it and it completes a lingering thread so you don't feel so empty when you finish the book yeah. because the book um the the love interest is gone at the end of the book she just doesn't appear again she leaves on a bus and never shows up again. Um, and in the movie, she comes back and that story gets a conclusion. And that last line, you met me at a weird time in my life. Like, it's just perfect. It's just so well done.
0: Yeah. And I also think that a lot of the, like the fact that you can have the, um, I don't know. I think that this is a story that just works better if you, as the viewer, can have a visual representation of the the like what's going on in this guy's head and the two right. character issue. I think that just works better. And then the, the kind of reveal moment works a lot better on screen than it does in a book.
1: Very true. Am
0: um, I? yeah. So yeah, I would agree with you. Fight club absolutely deserves to be in the good list. Okay. But that's just me agreeing with good old Chuck.
1: <laughs> well, the next one is, have you seen the new little women movie? I
0: have, I have.
1: Okay. Um, Did you see the old Little Women movie? Yes. Okay. Uh, I've seen both as well and read the book after watching the old Little Women movie as like for class or something and hated the movie afterwards because the book is good. The book is an interesting story. It's emotional. It's heavy. It's good. And that first version of the movie, just I did not like it at all. It did not. It wasn't fun. It didn't work. Um, And this version, this newest one that came out. Uh, I nearly teared up in like two different times, and I don't cry in movies like ever. It's and only, it's I, just because you think Timothy Chalamet's cute. No, I really don't. All the <laughs> other gays love him, and I don't understand what they're seeing. I don't get it. <laughs> I Really I just don't like him because he's a twink. It's so bizarre to me. Like that's a whole side story. So many people think he's so cute, gay or straight, and I'm just like, what are you seeing that I'm not? Dude looks like a misshapen, tiny elf boy. I don't get right. it.
0: No, he was was the, in (laughs) my opinion, like the worst cast in the movie because he was – he just looked way too young to be playing the character he was supposed to play. Like when he was married and I was like, all right, you're like 21 years
1: old. See, I thought it worked because I'm not attracted to him at all and your main character doesn't end up with him. So I thought that worked well to the movie's advantage, but yeah, but that's casting stuff. I think why I put this into good this version is because I think it fixed a huge problem in the book. Um, The book has two storylines, the kid, the child age and the adult age um, of the girls. And so you get to an emotional heavy point climax of the child age, and then you get to another one in the adult age and they're separated by an entire book and the movie synchronized those two timelines and flashed between the two of them so that your mm-hmm. emotional and your all the, all the climax, all the stuff happens all at the same time. So everything felt heavier because there wasn't a bunch of rising action, a climax, the falling action and a whole bunch more rising action. It all happened simultaneously. And I think that's a much better way to present the story.
0: No, I agree. I, um, I might be getting old, but I sometimes struggled with this new version to tell where we were at in the story, which was I got fine. You. Um, yeah. Um, and after I watched it, my wife pointed out to me that the color scheme was different for the mm-hmm. new stuff and the old stuff. And I was like, ah, damn it. I wish I would have known that at the beginning. But, it, yeah, I agree with you. They did a really good job of condensing all of the emotion into, like, areas of the movie, which did help with the flow. I will agree with you on that. Yeah. But I'm apparently a 70-year-old man who emulates my grandpa <laughs> and has to ask, what's going on, every 15 minutes.
1: I just think it the the this film version very much elevated the text to a much more accessible version of the book because it was written forever ago. So, right. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, all right. Good good choice. Yeah. Okay. So, for number 3, you're right. I did not know that Blade Runner was a book.
1: Yeah. Blade Runner is a uh, was is based on a book called Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Oh, by um, Philip
0: Dick. Got it. Exactly. I didn't realize
1: that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the term Blade Runner is actually taken from a different Philip Dick short story, um, but applied to uh, the hunters in Android Dream of Electric Sheep. And it's a short story that is weirdly technical at times and, like all Philip Dick novels, really philosophical and strange at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie takes all of that and keeps the essence of this really confusing philosophical battle and turns it into one of the most visually stunning films ever made that and its sequel they're just so visually amazing especially at the times the original one was made like mm-hmm. it it classifies it, it's an entire classification of film and story now that originated in this movie um yep. and the, the, it's like that what's
0: rainy everything is an eternal fog
1: yeah as a film noir um what is the term cyberpunk like it created cyberpunk as a visual Mm -hmm. medium um and that alone is uh, like you took this weird strange but compelling philip k dick novel and turned it into an entire genre and that's just amazing
0: (laughs) i did not realize that blade runner was based off of that book yeah that is interesting philip
1: k Hmm. dick like i I love his work but it's it's difficult to get into. It's um, real freaking not,
0: hard to get into. Yeah. It's like reading a textbook with a novel like loosely thrown in so you don't get bored.
1: Yeah, I mean he has Ooh. he has brilliant, insane ideas, which is why so many of his things have been adapt, adapted to, to sci-fi in general. But yeah. um, it's weeding through to get to those that's difficult reading his stuff sometimes. <laughs> but yeah. worth it if you do. Yeah, he's,
0: yeah. he's something – all right, uh, number four. Are this you about to was, delete
1: it? Oh, no, you're I highlighting was just, it. Oh, I was iffy on this, one.
0: Um, on this one. Gone with the Wind for those of you in the stands.
1: Yeah, who can't see the screen we're both looking at. <laughs> wow. mm-hmm. uh, so Gone with the Wind, I didn't realize it was a book for the longest time.
0: You um, what? Are you serious? Exactly. Oh my exactly. god, you're stupid.
1: And then when I read the book, I realized, oh, that's why... People just talk about the movie most of the time. It the movie uh, is amazing and huge. Like was it was one of like the biggest cast of all time at one point. Like super expensive, humongous undertaking movie that right. worked and launched people into stardom. And there's a reason it's you know celebrated. The book tells all that. And the KKK is the good guy at the end of the book. Like <laughs> at a couple times, and it takes a real racist term uh, turn um and yeah the the movie i mean that's partly that then, because the
0: book is is the book is like essentially a glorification of the south and like a longing for the glory days of before everything got ruined by the civil war
1: yeah so. yeah which okay <laughs> in context partly like, how you that run makes it. sense yeah but wow i did not realize that when i watched the movie and that launches the movie into i know some people this is their favorite film of all time and i can see why it's a very well-made film um i think it did a good job
0: i mean you know it's going to be a good film when you have to sit through one of those like 30 minute instrumental intermissions halfway through it
1: yeah (laughs) then her and yeah the movies i've done that with
0: yeah, those are the two movies that anytime I think of an intermission, I'm like, Ben-Hur, Gone with the Wind, it's those two
1: every time. Because those are long movies. Yeah. Does, it, does Lawrence little, of Arabia I, have one? Yeah, probably. I've never managed to make it all the way to Lawrence of Arabia, even though it's... Oh, you did? I've never managed I actually, to watch
0: it. Anymore. I was required to watch it for a class in college.
1: I think I was too, and just didn't.
0: <laughs> no, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Although it was like made long enough ago that they left... Um, the fact that Lawrence got gang raped by a bunch of guys, like they left that really ambiguous. And so I didn't really understand that watching the movie. And so I was very confused
1: about that at all. So yeah, that's like one of the
0: big (laughs) things about his story is that he was sexually assaulted while he was down in Arabia, but the movie really just like, tried to address it, but in a very 1960s we can't talk about sex sort of way. Right. So it didn't it was hard for I didn't understand it. Um but yeah Gone with the Wind, that's a good choice because I don't that movie is so old that I don't even think of it as being a movie adaptation to a book. I kind of Mm. think of Gone with the Wind as the book movie. I don't think of them separately. Um but Gone with the Wind is one of those It'll always have a special place in my heart because it's one of the first movies I remember watching as a kid. And it was also like, you know, when you're realizing that you like to read and you want to prove to other people that you're better at reading than they are. So yes. you pick a book that's <laughs> way outside your Lexile level. Gone with the Wind was that book for me.
1: I gotcha. Well, that's yeah, that was cool. the
0: first book that I read solely to be a pretentious asshat.
1: I'm trying to think of what mine is for that
0: it was that, and then War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. God, I hated that book, but damn it if I didn't yeah. make it all the way through. I didn't
1: like that book either. I think I just picked the thickest book in the library when I was in like elementary school just to prove right. I could read it. And I didn't, right. cannot remember what that book was because apparently I hated it. But Well,
0: you were in Lawton, Oklahoma, so, so if I had to guess, the thickest book was Green Eggs and Ham. Mm-hmm. Ooh, were you, you went, went dark. You I went just stupid. Would I would say you guys dark. were stupid. Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> two different directions on that joke but I, i'm proud we both got it off <laughs> Yeah,
0: very different directions Eesh. all right
1: all right let's
0: <laughs> i think that list. says something about our outlook of the world <laughs> golly okay
1: you didn't grow up in latin you don't know how stupid and terrible it is
0: <laughs> nah, no i think that's why Sorry i'm a better person friends and
1: family who still live there
0: <laughs> he's not he complains about latin all the time <laughs> all right um, Get
1: out. leave <laughs> Okay. All right. On. So
0: next one, we we just need to like give it quick lick service. So Lord of the Rings, good. We agree. We talk, like we've it. talked about it so many times. Um the next one, Where the Wild Things Are.
1: Okay. This one I thought you might disagree with me on, but um Where the Wild Things Are is this insanely fun dreamscape, nonsensical kids picture book. Um right LSD. Yep. Yes, got it. That they turned into A LSD trip of a beautiful, ridiculous movie that is so much fun. One of the most fun experiences I've had in the theater of watching this criminally underrated movie. It was so dumb and so just like anything goes and so fun and then heartwarming at the end still. And it just it did a really good job with what was essentially a like 20 page pretty pictures book. And they turned it into a feature-length film that was a blast, which is why it's on my good list.
0: <laughs> so, here's the only thing about Where the Wild Things Are that I will poo-poo on. Because um, okay. I agree. I think it's a fun story. I think that the original mm-hmm. source material is great. The movie was well done. I dislike it because of the fans. Um when that movie came out, the number of people who dressed up as characters from that show in, like, weird sexualized ways was too damn high. And it made me I, uncomfortable, and I didn't appreciate it.
1: I don't remember ever seeing that, so I'll have to take your word for it. But I can see people – because I thought uh, – every now and then i thought an excellent Halloween costume would be max because you just have to wear footy pajamas and a little crappy crown. Yep. Um so I can see people who wanted to dress up like that. I didn't know that it got sexual and that makes me it's uncomfortable. It, and that's, okay.
0: that's the costume <laughs> I'm talking about. So please don't ever wear that. <laughs> it's just that such was a simple, literally like, what I was thinking costume, in my right? head. I was like, ugh, ugh. You turned
1: that sexual. Now I'm concerned for people. Instagram like,
0: influencers, but oh, well, um,
1: that's your first problem.
0: <laughs> you're right. Did I live in the 21st century? I agree. Exactly. Jeez. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, this next one, I I don't know if you'll disagree with me on this, but I don't think you would. So Bridge to Terabithia, in my mind, is a fantastically well-done movie adaptation.
1: This is the one I vehemently disagree with you on.
0: You disagree. Okay. Uh, before you tell me why you disagree, the reason I think it's so well done is that the movie manages to just pack in the emotion. It makes it whimsical. It's Fun to watch. It moves along. It sticks with the source material and it makes me cry like a baby every time I watch it. Okay. I will. Own that's, to
1: that. that's the biggest difference because I cringed my way through the movie and cried my way through the book. Um, really? And I don't know why. I don't know what specifically about it. I only watched the movie once, so I can't go back and remember it intentionally. But I remember being uncomfortable and annoyed with the movie probably because the book was so emotionally impactful for me. I huh, think that's it it might have just been something about the actors. I didn't like them. They didn't I, I don't or it was just the um I I thought the the cartoony ways their imaginations impacted the real world in the movie annoyed me to no end because I felt like in the book the whole point was it's just your imagination. It doesn't actually Change the real world. I don't know. I just I did not like I loved the it.
0: Movie, I thought it was great. I'm sorry you didn't like that one. I thought you might agree with me on
1: it. All right. Like, well That book is disagree? one of my favorite books and I was so disappointed in the movie. But I didn't put it anywhere on this list, so obviously i didn't have that strong of emotions about it, but yeah, I wanted to put it on the good if I had to put it somewhere. I may have put it on okay.
0: Well, luckily I put it on the good, so you didn't have to. <laughs> All right. Um Okay. The next one. Have you ever seen Sahara?
1: Yes. And I love that. Okay,
0: what are your thoughts? You like it? Okay, that's good. So this movie, believe it or not, is actually one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah, I don't it's a know great,
1: why. Solid film. I,
0: I think it's just because it's a ton of fun. Like, it's a little yeah. ridiculous at times, but it's just a good old-fashioned adventure film where it's a like buddy adventure where they crack jokes, but you know they like each other and they're just trying to i don't know it's it's cool it's a fun movie um, and i think
1: they did a really good job of taking not the first book in the series by any means and making you feel like it was part of a larger narrative because yeah. it was without making you feel stupid for not having read all the books i think they did a yeah, good job and they,
0: and they made a lot of really good nods or homages to running jokes or things from the books so that mm-hmm. if you were a big clive Custler fan then you would be able to catch these things and be like, ah, that's good. Like they have a whole bit about um, Admiral Sandecker's cigars getting stolen all the time by Al mm-hmm. Gino, which is a running gag through all the books. Um, a lot of the clothing they wear is appropriate. Like even Dirk Pitt is wearing his signature orange-faced Doxa dive watch. Like it's just really good. But the reason I put this one on good isn't just because I love this movie and it's fun and the soundtrack was awesome. But because I think they did a really good job of taking out all the stupid crap from the book that Clive Kussler thought was a good idea. Like um, the end of Sahara. I don't know if you remember this book at all, but the end of Sahara, the climactic battle involves a tank being jury rigged into a catapult that can launch flaming barrels of oil.
1: Nope. I do remember this now.
0: It's stupid as hell. It is so dumb. Like I much prefer the ending where they just use an old civil war cannon to blow up a helicopter. That's at least plausible.
1: And and get uh get the uh the local people to like inspire the local people to resist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. This is just a better ending. That is a better ending. (laughs) (laughs) So I liked the movie because I thought that the director did a good job of saying, eh, we can do better. This Uh. next
1: one on the list is I think your best one you've added to the list, because that's a really good oh. point.
0: This was a good movie. Okay. All right. You can introduce it then.
1: Okay, it's The Da Vinci Code, which um, I I was not really that big of a fan of the book, um, uh, especially because it was the sequel to um, Angels and Demons, and I think Angels and Demons was the better book by far. Ironically,
0: um, the worst movie.
1: Yes, but yeah, and for, they swapped the they put the Da Vinci Code out before they did like they swapped the storylines, which made it really stupid and weird um, in the movie verse. Yeah. But the Da Vinci Code movie standing alone works really well, and, and the visual problem solving weird puzzle things works a lot better um, when you can be distracted by the, uh, the the prettiness of it and the visuals and amazing casting of it when in the books if you start to think about anything that's going on you're just like wait that doesn't make any sense whatsoever um, yeah the movie doesn't yeah. let you have time to think about it and just takes you along for the ride and does a very good job of translating a subpar book into a really good movie
0: yeah i really like the da Vinci code i think that again i think i just picked movies that are kind of adventurey but it's just it's a fun adventure with a little bit of mystery thrown in some problem solving and you get to watch, like, Tom Hanks be himself. Solve cool. yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's a fun movie. And I agree with you. The way that they did the visual representations of uh, solving puzzles was really cool. Um, they did a good job of not making this movie campy. Because I think that is a real danger with this type of mm-hmm. material. You can just make it really... Um, i don't know almost like angel has fallen or one of those movies type situation that are just awful yeah. or uh um but the da vinci code i really do enjoy and they also managed to take some of um dan brown's darker plot points and make them easier to get through because uh, he tends to go for shock value when yeah, he's describing so. his he's bad kind of a, guys because
1: it's most his of bad his guys shtick, he's gonna shock yeah. you <laughs>
0: Well, his bad guys are always like absolute freaks when it comes to doing things. So in The Da Vinci Code, you've got the guy who wraps like a spiked chain around his yeah, leg. and digs it deep. Yeah. And that translates well into film because you can't spend too much time on it. But in the book, Dan Brown just goes in so much detail. Yeah. That you so kind of want torture you, porn.
1: That doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> well, and I, it's unfortunately you're right. It's his shtick. I don't remember what his newest um, maybe it's not his newest anymore. I read it several years ago, but his, to me, newest novel involves his main villain uh, who will hire hookers simply so he can slowly stab them to death.
1: Ew, why? And
0: it, it vividly describes the whole process of him. Like, I'm not even going to go into it, but it's just disgusting. And I really appreciate it when books are like, no. We're not doing that. We're going a different direction. You're weird. We're gonna take your story and do our own thing with it because you yeah. suck.
1: Well, the the Da Vinci Code book felt like a I don't even know like a treatise against organized religion and yes. a uh uh like a, a heroification of this character that was just kind of in the right place in the right time for the first book. Mm-hmm. Whereas the movie makes it feel like a like you know high stakes scavenger hunt.
0: And yeah that's fun. a good description
1: the book, the book is is dark and brooding and makes weird points but the movie is very fun yeah yeah the movie yeah, the is, the movie is I, light I, and fun run. the book
0: is heavy-handed i agree yeah
1: yeah, 100 percent. all right this last one i'm gonna a little bit disagree with you again okay uh, yeah the hunger games trilogy uh or are you just saying the first movie uh I was
0: thinking the first movie, but we can talk about the trilogy because they it's maybe silly to remove
1: them from gotcha. one another. Because I think the I think the first movie is the best one of the trilogy or quadrilogy because they made 40 in a day.
0: Yeah. Dumb, but agree.
1: Um, yes. Because I think they tried the hardest to separate the movie and book universe in the first one. They they Cut a lot. They did the stuff that I talked about is what a good adaptation needs to do. They streamlined it and improved the source material where they could, and removed a lot of extraneous stuff um, that they didn't, that wasn't necessary. And when you have an entire trilogy of books that is narrated to you entirely from the first-person point of view and her, you get her thoughts the whole time. When you put that into a movie format. You have to change so much because so much of the story is driven by what she's thinking and feeling and you can't see that on screen. And I think they did a very good job of adapting that, keeping the same story without, you know, without giving like a monologue the whole time or something stupid like that.
0: So that's actually the reason why I put this on the good list. Uh, I think I think that the fact that they were able to do that is just phenomenal because they made the movie very engaging. The um, storyline ran very smoothly, and they did that in spite of the fact that the entire book is written from a first-person point of view, and you can't do that in a movie. Um, So I just felt that that was a very, very well-done adaptation for that reason, because I think it was probably a very tricky one to pull off well. Um, I would agree with you, though, that the first book was really good, and then after that, it took kind of a, a dive downward but i also felt that way about the books so yeah i think this
1: the second book i think had the most potential to be a movie because so many more characters were involved it wasn't all about the second her book
0: was very good too yeah. i
1: yeah no i'm thinking and about the it movie the movie did a decent job of the second book but it changed directors um and therefore changed the feel the first movie felt like an original um interpretation of the book and the second movie felt like a marvel adaptation of the second book and so just like white not whitewashed that's not the right word but you know what i mean just uh lowest common denominator telling the story yeah Uh, and that's not i mean those are fun they're fine they're okay but they're not anything special and i think the first movie uh, if you stuck with that style and the 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 shaky can and the kind of nitty-gritty but Mm -hmm. um a lot of quiet moments i uh, th- think if you stuck with that for the rest of the trilogy it could have been a really special trilogy instead of changing it to be more cookie cutter
0: i think one of the other problems this movie ran into is that the first movie was so incredibly popular that by the time you get to the i guess fourth movie there were a lot of copycats running around in theaters you had the yeah, maze runner and the uh, divergent yeah. series and there's one other that i can't Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue yeah there were just so many young adult dystopian novel turned into book or turned into movies that you were like all right i'm done with this these all feel like the exact same
1: movie exactly
0: they're all they all feel like they're in the same universe just one town over from each other right and i can't take
1: it whereas the first movie just felt like it had so much of its own identity even comparing it to the other Mm -hmm. ones in the film or the, in the series, it feels like it's its own thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would put the first movie on good, and i put the rest on okay to bad.
0: You know what? I think we can do that. It's the last one we're talking about, so I like that we can do something new and inventive, unlike the other Hunger Games movies. <laughs> <laughs> Got All
1: right. Well, cool. um, we have a lot of uh, stuff we could talk about as um, ads, but we've already gone on for, like, uh, an hour and a, a half. Long time. It feels like. A long time. So, we have half. this list of books that we've talked about that are already in film that we might we can briefly mention. Uh, good, bad, ugly, okay. You can come up with that yourself. But um, a bunch of books we've already talked about are already filmed. Like last week's book that Stephen talked about, Shogun, you said was a TV series. Mm-hmm. It's a mini series. Um, yeah, The Magicians is an ongoing TV series. Uh, we books. mentioned Ender's Game. Um, yeah. uh, we mentioned The Dresden Files. Uh, the yeah. book Stephen's Wife recommended to us, The Phantom Tollbooth, has a movie we talked about in that episode. Uh,
0: apparently.
1: Yeah. And then Lord of the Rings, of course, um, has a movie. Uh, but the ones we're excited about and the reason we did this episode is because there's a lot of projects coming up that are about to be turned into movies or TV shows. So the one that spurned this was Foundation, Apple TV is making a foundation series or has made, and it's about to come out and it looks amazing. And I'm trying not to get my hopes up because those books are so good. I hope the movie or TV show works out. Um,
0: those are the then, books by Isaac Asimov for those yes. of you following at home who don't know.
1: Yeah. And then um, Dune is currently being filmed as much as I think Timothy Chalamet is way overrated. He is playing Muad'Dib in the Dune movie that is currently being filmed and and it has an amazing cast and an amazing director. So I have Well, I hope he gets eaten by a giant
0: that. sandworm.
1: I mean, he doesn't. He kind of becomes the god of the giant anyways.
0: I <laughs> hope they readapt it where Timothy Chalamet gets eaten accidentally <laughs> on the real set by a animatronic worm monster.
1: Okay. That's fun. Thanks. Um Mistborn, which we did a full episode on recently. Um, is apparently had a TV show or movie adaptation in the works for a long time with very little information coming out about it. So that's something that is apparently that's out gonna there. That's
0: going to be horrible. I don't <laughs> yeah. see any universe where that is a good thing. Oh, no.
1: But it's, it's apparently in the works. So nope, we'll see. That's going to be Avatar
0: by that. M. Night's Shyamalan and levels <laughs> of that. Oh, God.
1: Uh, and then Anyways. there is a. There's a prequel series for the Kingkiller Chronicles that HBO has been trying to get off the ground for a while that takes place well before the series starts and just explores that world a bit better, um, which I don't know if I'm excited about, but I will definitely watch if it ever gets made. Um, and then The Wheel of Time, I can't remember if this is a movies or a series or what, but they've been casting that and they making casting that ones per- periodically for forever. So I will love when that ever comes out. I'm so excited.
0: That's going to be kind of a weird movie show, though, because everyone, everyone in the TV show is like a pseudo teenager. And there's a lot of schmanging going on in that series. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we can't do that. Maybe that's why it's being made in England. Do they have different laws on that sort of thing over there?
1: Maybe in Germany, not in England.
0: Yeah, definitely in Germany. they are freaks over there.
1: Germany is the Alabama of Europe. It's, um. <laughs>
0: uh, it's more no it's not the Alabama of Europe it's more like the New York apartment dungeon sex party of Europe
1: okay you nope, know, yeah that works <laughs> and then the one I'm most excited about is they are making a new or they're adapting Animorphs into a movie they once upon a time adapted it into a um, Canadian TV show and um, I'm completely blanking on the actor's name but the actor who played Iceman in the x-men movies um and uh, has been on a bunch of other sci-fi series and stuff since then do you know who i'm talking about steven
0: Um, i know his face
1: yeah um um, and they've both been a lot of sci-fi stuff uh and one of them was yes yes sean ashmore um he was in the original animorphs series and and our twitter friend um uh who is the author of the books and him have been joking about who he would play in the new movie adaptation and it looks like he might play his original character's father in the movie adaptation. So, casting is just now starting. Um they just now finalized that this movie is happening and I'm very excited about
0: that. <laughs> so, two things on that. First of all, actually three things. First of all, that's awesome and I'm very happy for you. Second thing, Sean Ashmore is 40 years old and he perpetually looks like he's 26. Yes, he does. Um it's crazy. and then, and then the final thing, for some reason This whole series seems like when they make it into a movie, it is going to feel very much like one of those made-for-TV Disney movies where they're rescuing animals.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to be very careful with it, and I once upon a time – and this is – I'm trying to do this fast, but I once upon a time as I think it was a class assignment um, worked on uh, like how I would adapt. adapt a book or book series into something else and animorphs was the one i chose and i chose to adapt it into a series of movies and i had this whole thing planned out for this assignment and it was basically the books all are narrated by one of the five animorphs um and they all have very distinct uh difficult story arcs throughout the 50 book something series so if i was turning this series into a movie i would have done a movie for each of them that covers their biggest arcs or if you want to do it just a trilogy um a trilogy with each of them uh having their biggest moments done in one movie because they pair up really well because there's two that are kind of the the leader and the lancer character they play off of each other really well and then the the two girls that is one's all about peace and one's the most violent warrior in the group um, pair off really well and then the two outcasts pair off really well and you could make that into a trilogy that would i mean all of them are together the whole time but you tell their individual stories in three different movies and there's just so much potential here and i'm very very excited for this movie
0: <laughs> i think you should um contact the whoever publishes animorphs and just offer to ghost write one of their books <laughs> You're obviously I mean, a super fan, and yes. I think that would be a great way to get your uh, writing career off the, the blocks.
1: I mean, they finished the series. They're not writing any more Animorphs books, but if they ever were, I, we are the podcast is Twitter friends with one of the authors, and we've tweeted back and forth. That is my own one claim to fame. So if they ever decide to do something again, I will pitch that I should be involved.
0: <laughs> there you go i'm, right. I'm the, just saying i'm the one who gave you the ideas so
1: this is true and i'll, I'll give you a shout out
0: <laughs> there you go remember who your friends are
1: all right we have been at this for a long time thanks for sticking with us um you can find us on all of our social medias that'll be linked in this episode because i don't feel like reading them off <laughs> right. but i love you guys <laughs> mm, bye <laughs> bye